This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. We will ask one of the biggest Laker fans here at ESPN his thoughts on Jason Fitz saying LeBron James would be better off losing in the conference finals than the NBA finals. We'll do that in just a moment. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Gabe Neitzel, Ian Fitzsimmons filling in for the boys in ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. His name is on the show, and he joins the show. Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, joins the program. And Canty, I'm just happy to hear that the home office is available for you to use today. Yeah, exactly. My wife actually went to her office downtown in New York City, so I actually have the opportunity to be in the home office and work off of the Comrex, so you guys don't have to deal with weak cell phone signal or nothing like that. I don't have to worry about that because I'm on the Comrex and I get to talk to you guys. It's crystal clear HD. I'm loving that, fellas. Well, you don't have to worry about that, but the Raiders may have to worry about Devontae Adams because here's what he told the ringer, Canty. Um, He said, quote, the front office thinks this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. Should the Raiders be concerned about the happiness of their all-pro wideout? Yeah, but I just think it adds more fuel to the fire that's burning under the seat of Josh McDaniels going into the 2023 season. I I mean, I had to put a list together of the top five coaches on the hot seat coming into – this upcoming year, and, and Josh McDaniels is absolutely on it. Think about this, guys. Look at what the quarterback room for the Raiders has to offer now. They moved on from Derek Carr, said they had no use for him. They got Jimmy Garoppolo, which means you better have a good backup, and their backup quarterback situation is Brian Hoyer and fourth-round draft pick Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. No disrespect to the rookie, but if you're Devontae Adams trying to compete for a championship in the AFC West, which might be considered the toughest division in all of football, you feel good about riding with those quarterbacks? I sure the hell don't. So, again, this is going to bring a different degree of scrutiny on Josh McDaniels where not only outside folks are talking about the Raiders playing in a negative way, but you got somebody that's supposed to be a team leader in that locker room questioning what the hell the head coach and the general manager are doing. When you see star players like a Devontae Adams, CC, make comments like this, how often is it calculated and how often is it off the cuff and they're going, oh, damn, I shouldn't have said it? No, I think it's calculated. Uh, Devontae doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to get overly emotional and and say things and be reactionary about it. But I think this is him trying to send a clear message that I don't think this team has done enough to keep pace with what everybody else is doing in the AFC West. I mean, if you're sitting back and looking at the offseason – can you come up with a scenario where the Las Vegas Raiders finish better than fourth in that division? Because I sure the hell can't. The Broncos got better by adding Sean Payton. The Los Angeles Chargers got a hell of a lot better when you look at the additions on that team. And the Kansas City Chiefs, huh? well, the Kansas City Chiefs, they host the AFC, AFC Championship game, what is it, five years running? So uh, if you're Devontae Adams, yeah, I'm concerned about our team keeping pace with the rest of the division and the rest of the conference and as a guy that's relying on the quarterback in order to do my job, how can you have any degree of confidence that those guys in that room are going to be able to get it done to a level that allows you to help your team compete for the division? Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, joining us on Canty and Carlin. I'm Gabe Knott, so he's Ian Fitzsimmons filling in for the guys today. And we'll certainly talk about this in 
a couple of questions here, Canty, in terms of the NBA and the star power and asking for input from the stars. I feel like we're starting to see that more and more in the NFL. Player empowerment, stars having more say in the direction of franchises and who they're hiring as coaches, assistant coaches. Do you think that's a good thing for the NFL? Yeah, I don't mind it. I'm all about players trying to put themselves in situations where they can capitalize on this finite period of time that they have to be a part of the league. And I just don't mean from a monetary standpoint. I mean from a production standpoint and competing for championships. You know, we, we don't have a, a, a long window to play in the National Football League. I mean, in, in NFL locker rooms, the running joke is that it stands for not for long. Uh, I mean, so so when you think about the average career span in comparison to the rest of the four major team sports in North America, we've got the shortest, and there's a reason for it. It's because of the physicality, uh, the 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 you know, the demands that it puts on your body. So I don't have a problem with players um, using using their their skill sets and leveraging that in order to dictate to the franchise moves that they believe put them in a better situation. I don't have an issue with that at all. Chris, going back to when I was covering you when you were a Dallas Cowboy, you guys, half that room, it seemed to love the Thanksgiving game every year, short week, which means you get a longer week. Some of you guys would go to Vegas, whatever, get out of town. Some of you would just go rest. But it seemed like half the room loved it, and the other half didn't. Now you're watching Cincinnati, the Jets, politicking to be a permanent fixture for Black Friday, the day after Lions-Cowboys always host on Thanksgiving. As a player and then versus the business side of the NFL, how would you feel about being locked in again on a short week? I loved it. You know, I played for Bill Parcells when I came into the league, and you know how physical those practices oh, were. Baby. I mean, listen, before they put in the rules that curb you know, what you could do in, in the attire, the dress, whether pads or shells for practice, Bill Parcells would have his teams in uppers on Friday. Nobody does that. Nobody does. Like, you're actually in shoulder pads on Friday. You play a game on Sunday. Nobody does that. People, if you told people that today, they would think it's archaic. That, that, but Bill Parcells looked at uppers in practice as a day off in terms of lessening the physicality. And in reality, it didn't do anything. But here's what I'll say. Back then, I loved playing the Thanksgiving Day game just because Coach Parcells couldn't kill us in the days leading up to the game, and we had, that, those, we had, those, three, we had those three days off afterward. So, I mean, li- listen, man, it, it was almost like a bye week with a game in there. Like, that, that's what it felt like to my body. And then looking at it now, because of the constraints uh, on what coaches can do throughout practices and what the weeks look like and, you know, how the physicality has lessened in season, I would love it even more if I was a current player. I would love it even more. Now – I guess you have to factor into the math or bake in there that you got an extra regular season game. But, I mean, because of all of those different factors, you don't have the physical demands on in practice that you had, you know, a decade or so ago. So I, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I actually love the idea of having better, you know, having more football in the middle of the week. And now we're talking about, you know, the, 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 light, the licensing for the rights, the rights deals in, in – you know, dip, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, uh, um, uh, Amazon. Fox, Amazon, all of those people having better games to pick from and feature in those standalones. I love the idea that they're doing this. So I'm all for it. 
Uh, I know players are split on it, but I'm all about the NFL doing this because when you do have those standalone games, you have to do your best to try to capture as much of the audience as you can, and particularly the people that are the casual sports fans because those are the folks. You're going to have the diehards that are going to sit in there and watch Houston, Tennessee on Thursday Night Football, but what you want to do is use those standalone games to feature the best of what your game has to offer, and I think they're starting to look at those Thursday night games and now with the Black Friday game um, as opportunities to do just that. Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Series XM Channel 80, Gabe Nigel, Ian Fitzsimmons filling in for Canty and Carlin as we're joined by Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. Big news of the day, though, Canty, comes from the NBA as the 76ers decided to fire head coach Doc Rivers after three seasons. But I guess I wasn't shocked by this news given that Mike Budenholzer, who won a championship two years ago in Milwaukee, was let go. Monty Williams for the Phoenix Suns, who went to that same finals two years ago. Both those coaches were let go. And given the current state of the NBA, it it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Doc was going to be let go. Were you surprised by the news today? No, I wasn't surprised. I thought Ray Charles could have seen this one coming. But I will say this, fellas, you don't want to be tabbed as coach of the year. It feels like that's a death sentence Amen. for coaches. When you get, when you get tagged as coach of the year in the NBA, they are about to cut bait with you very, very soon. I mean, going back to Dwayne Casey when he was coach of the year with the Toronto Raptors, they fired him that same year he won coach of the year. I was just like, that's what we're doing now in the NBA? And sure enough, that seems to be the trend. But when you looked at Doc Rivers' tenure with the Sixers, it, it just became clear that there was a ceiling on this team, and it was the second round of the playoffs, and that's not good enough. you got to be able to take advantage of Joel Embiid in his prime because who knows how long he's going to be able to stay at the height of his powers. Who knows how long that guy is going to be able to stay healthy. I think you need a head coach to, that, to, that's going to reflect a little more urgency, and if for no other reason, move on from Doc to show everybody else in the Sixers organization that, me, well, not mediocrity, but, you know, this level of success just ain't good enough. And so I think for no other reason that was the right move. But I also believe that there is, you know, somebody out there that could be a potential better tactician on the offensive side and make things easier for Joel Embiid and others, and that would be Nick Nurse. Now, it'll be interesting to see what direction Daryl Moore decides to go in. People have floated Mike D'Antoni out there as a potential option with the reunion with James Harden and Maury, I think that's a terrible idea. I think this has to be about getting the best out of Joel Embiid. And to me, out of the, all the available options that are in that coaching pool, it just feels like Nick Nurse would be the best of the lot. I also heard, and, and this is not me reporting anything, but I'm just hearing from people, don't dismiss Sam Cassell as a potential option that was on staff with Doc Rivers uh, in, in the Sixers organization. That could be somebody that they look at as well. From what I understand, he's got a great rapport with the players, including James Harden. So if you can command the respect of the players, I, I could see them going in that direction too. But I-, I-, I thought it was clear that a change needed to be made, and uh, the Sixers went ahead and made it official. To your point of being coach of the year in the NBA, four of the last five have gotten canned. Mm. The last man standing, Steve Kerr, and he just got eliminated. Right, <laughs> so to your point it is not no bueno if you are the NBA coach of the year when it comes to job security. How much, by the way, do the players bear some responsibility on what happened in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, you got to lay some of the feet, some of the blame at the feet of your players, right? I mean, Game Seven was awful, but but Ian gave. I, I said it when they fell short in Game Six. 
you had a fourth quarter lead at home and Jason Tatum played the worst game through three and a half quarters that he has played since he came into the NBA. You got to win that game. Yep. You got to win that game and close it out. Because if you let them back in that game, they are going to win if there's a game seven in TD Garden. There was no question about it. And it just speaks to taking advantage of the opportunities when you had them. And post-game, after Tatum drops 51 in game seven, the thing that he said was how excited he was to have another opportunity and how he was going to take advantage of it. So just thinking about that mindset and juxtaposing that onto what we saw from the Sixers in the fourth quarter in game six. It, it just doesn't make sense. It, it's not the same type of urgency. And I think that's in part the problem with staying the course with Doc Rivers, which is why I think the Sixers made the switch. But you also got to put some of that on the players, Joel and, and, and James Harden in particular. And here's the thing with Harden. As brilliant as he was in games one and game four, you had four games in this series where he had four made field goals or fewer. You can't yep. have that from your second best scoring option. That just can't happen if you expect to beat a team with two all NBA performers from the Boston Celtics and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So the Sixers got what they deserved, and now they're going to have to do some soul searching. The guys that are on this team look themselves in the mirror. Daryl Morey is going to have to change up some of the things that he's doing in terms of roster construction. I think this is the offseason where they look to take a big swing. And starting with that process, they've got to look at finding a next head coach. Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. I'm Gabe Nights, along with Ian Fitzsimmons, filling in for the guys. And Canty, you're quite possibly the biggest Lakers fan here at ESPN. You, you bleed the, the purple and gold. Gabe, well, I'm literally the biggest Lakers fan at ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, is, there is no bigger no Lakers bigger. fan. Hell, That's we don't true. have any very bigger true. former Laker players at ESPN. <laughs> I am the biggest Lakers fan at ESPN. All period. right, well then, I, I want to hear your reaction to what Jason Fitz said earlier today on Fitz and Harry about LeBron James and how he would be better off losing in the conference finals than the NBA finals. Every time we talk about Michael Jordan, all we talk about is, well, he never lost in the finals every stinking time. Have we ever talked about the fact that, I don't know, he did lose three consecutive years in the playoffs to the Pistons, including nope. twice in the conference finals? No, we don't talk about that at all. Every time we talk about the Buffalo Bills in the 90s, what do we talk about? Four straight Super Bowl losses, and we talk about them like they're absolute trash. The way these things work, if LeBron goes to the NBA Finals and loses, he will be four and seven in his finals appearances, which means for the rest of his life, Stephen A is going to be sitting up there on first take telling you, well, he lost seven times in the finals. If he doesn't get there, if he loses in the Western Conference, it's a plucky effort for a year. We didn't expect this from the Lakers. Everybody will champion it. If he goes to the finals and loses, it'll actually be worse for the long-term legacy conversation that we all hate about LeBron than it would be if he gets to the finals and he loses. This isn't even a take. It's just a fact. Well, first of all, I, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Somebody needs to drug <laughs> test Jason Fitz. Because, I mean, what, what's the goal here? Is your point that LeBron James and the Lakers shouldn't try to get into the finals because they might lose once they do get to the finals? Uh, that's the part where I'm confused. It feels like a bit of a straw man. Like, what, what are we really talking about? Should the Lakers not try to beat the Denver Nuggets in, this, in the conference finals and get to the NBA finals? What, what's the point of it? I guess that, that would be my bigger question. 
No, it, it feels a lot like the fan to me, Canty, that's like, well, if we were going to lose like this in the playoffs, we should have never made the playoffs to begin with. Like, no, you always want to, A, make the playoffs, and then, B, go as far as you can. Yeah, but don't we want our athletes to compete for championships and whatever their legacy ends up being, we talk about it after the fact? We don't want to see our athletes dial down their competitive juices, their competitive level, just because they're they're afraid of what we might say about who they are if they get to the biggest stage the game has to offer and fall short. I'd much rather the guy keep getting there than to have not gotten there at all. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And for the people that use that against LeBron as that's some kind of indictment on the type of player he is, just stop and think about this for a second. LeBron James is in his 20th season in the NBA. He's played in 10 NBA finals. So that means on average he's going to the finals every other year. That ain't a coincidence. That's a testament to his greatness. He's won four championships with three different franchises. What the hell are we talking about in terms of criticizing him for getting to the finals and losing? So what? Think about the teams that he's lost to. He's lost to the Golden State Warriors, an all-time great dynasty with arguably the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. He lost to the San Antonio Spurs when he was with the Miami Heat. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan, they won five championships. There's no and shame Dirk, in that. Yeah, and Dirk and the Miracles. And Dirk, when Dirk, when Dirk, Dirk was Nowitzki. the best player on the planet for two months. That, 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 and that's my point. One of the greatest foreign players to have ever graced his presence in the NBA. So I, I, don't, I don't think there's any shame in, in, in what LeBron James has done when he's come up short in those seasons where his teams have made the NBA Finals. So I think it's, it's, it's a ridiculous... It's a ridiculous <laughs> argument against his legacy, and then for Fitz well, to that's, to that's like, the thing, Candy. He's thing. looking and ahead. Fitz, he, Fitz he, validates it somewhat by saying it's better for LeBron James not to get to the NBA Finals and lose than it it, it would than what it would be. It, it's better for him to get to lose to the Western Conference Finals than to get to the NBA Finals and lose. I, I hate that he validates the ridiculous takes that are out there that criticize LeBron's legacy of getting to the finals and, ha- and, and being on the losing side of it. I think it's crazy. And on the whole damn legacy conversation, I mean, Canty, can't we wait, please, until a man is done or a woman is done playing and then evaluate their career? But no, 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 no. We can't do that anymore. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I told Fitz when he joined us an hour ago, somebody hit you in the head with your fiddle. I mean, that, that had to. I, that, I really, that might have happened. That I mean, might have actually happened. Distinct possibility, man. That distinct might have actually happened. That, uh, hey, I, I, that's crazy. We've got uh, 10 seconds. Denver minus six against your Lake Show. Total 222 and a half. What do you got? Oh, man. I'm rolling with the Lake Show, and I'm going to take the points. Thank you very much. I think they're going to win outright. And I'm going to go with the under tonight. I like under. the under, too. Ooh, under like tonight. The under. Yeah, yeah, listen. The, 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 the Nuggets don't play with a ton of pace, and the Lakers wouldn't mind slowing it down. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the under tonight. Canty, we certainly appreciate you taking some time and, you know, joining your own program today. All right, appreciate you fellas holding it down. Talk soon. Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin right here at ESPN Radio, joining us on that very same program. Coming up next, it's going to be a battle of big men in the Western Conference Finals. Which one is more critical? Is it Anthony Davis or is it Jokic? We'll get to that right after Fitz has this word from NHTSA. Every day there are drivers on the road who decide not to buckle their seatbelts. Some of those drivers will be ticketed by law enforcement. Some of those drivers who crash won't make it home. Buckling up is the single most effective way to protect your life in the event of a crash and make it home safely to your loved ones. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. The man who's going to be on the call for that series right here on ESPN Radio is Mark Kestacher, ESPN Radio play-by-play announcer. Joining Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Ian Fitzsimmons, filling in for the guys this afternoon. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for the time. Uh, let's begin with the Nuggets. Is it possible that Jamal Murray is still underrated despite what he has done in this postseason run thus far for the Nuggets? Hey, Gabe. Hey, Fitzy. Good to be on with you. Uh, it, you know, it's hard to believe that when you watch NBA games night in, night out, and you've you know, seen Jamal come back from the injury a couple of springs ago and all the time he missed and you know, he's not, he's not bubbled Jamal yet, but he's getting close to there. And I think, you know, all season long, I'll just put it on me. I'm not going to say everybody else has undervalued the Nuggets. I just think um, they have not been classified as a sexy team. And all they've done is win all year, win 53 games. Uh, maybe it's a function of uh, the Joker getting all the spotlight and averaging a 30-point triple-double for a series. I think that in itself is probably the lead, guys, is that, he plays under such an incredible shadow of Nikola Jokic that it probably keeps him under the radar more than he should be. Just hearing you say that, Kesty, um, look, we're, we're all we all know how important you know Anthony Davis, LeBron James are to the Lakers, and Jokic and Murray to the Nuggets. This conversation brings up something that the late great Jerry Sloan once told me when I asked him what it truly takes to win an NBA title, and he said it takes two greats of good and everybody else. Yeah, and, that, and in Chicago, they're two greats, which are a little bit better than ours. But when you yep. keep it that simple, if you take out Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Jokic, and Murray, when you look at the everybody else on these rosters, including the you know the good and then the everybody else, what do you see? You know, I haven't checked the lines because I always leave that to you and Kevin Winter. But I would guess Denver's favored here because of that exact thing that you're saying. Is it funny? Six. You look at six. All yep. right, that makes sense. It, um, it, if you look back to the bubble three years ago 
And what was the difference in the Lakers beating the Nuggets? I think you, you could successfully argue that same argument. You take out the two best players on each team, which are ironically the same two best players, and the Lakers had more of a supporting cast. And ironically, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was one of those guys hitting big shots for the Lakers. Now he's on Denver. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon was acquired a couple of years ago. He's going to check LeBron James in this series. Michael Porter who has turned into a really good player and was a young player back in that series, that's another check mark in the favor of Denver. Now, the Lakers have done a great job adding to their depth. You know, we saw Lonnie Walker come off the bench and have the 15-point quarter. Uh, Austin Reeves is becoming a player that you can trust and depend on. Uh, I think Rui Hachimura is going to be an X factor in this series. Dennis Schroeder, at times, has come in to help Darvin Ham space the floor But I think when you just look at it before game one and before that ball is tossed up in a couple of hours, it's advantage Denver because at least, you know, for the back of the old school bubblegum carts, they got the numbers. Mark Castaturi, ESPN Radio play-by-play announcer, will be on the call for Nuggets and Lakers game one tonight right here on ESPN Radio. It's Canty and Carlin. I'm Gabe Nigel along with Ian Fitzsimmons filling in for the guys And as deep as the Western Conference was all season long and the Lakers got in via the play-in, just how exactly did they go from being one of the teams that nobody could figure out why they were playing as poorly as they did prior to the trade deadline to now being a team that's in the conference finals? Boy, you know, I hung out enough with Fitzy this fall and into the early stage of winter where I gave up on the Lakers like seven different times, so probably recall. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and so the, did I. And the last time, I remember being in Milwaukee. We had a weekend game. It might have been like, I don't know, on a Saturday night. And I came on post-game, on game night, and LeBron had just gone down with a foot injury. And I think the question was, like, is that it for the Lakers? And I'm like, that's been it for a long time, and now it's officially it. And uh, Anthony Davis rose from the ashes. He kept it together while LeBron was getting better. I'm still not certain LeBron's anywhere close to 100%. I don't think they're talking about the foot, and I think that has been part of the reason that, as uh, as Draymond Green told us after Game 7 in Sacramento a couple of weeks ago, he's like, LeBron's just kind of hiding in the corner and, you know, uh, he's, he's going to save himself up for a different part in, the, in this series. And, and we saw that in the clincher in the second half in Game 6 at home against Golden State the other night where all of a sudden that light bulb went off and LeBron went into bully ball and he looked like the old LeBron again. But it's a long way to say that I have no idea how they got from 13th place having no draft pick, no first-round draft picks till like 2029 and pulled off a series of minor to mid-major trades, six guys in, six guys out, and they just hit it. They hit it. Rob Palinka hit it as far as chemistry, the kind of thing you can't figure when you're doing these trades. And now that the most important thing is the health of the two big guys with AD and LeBron, they've stayed healthy, knock on wood, uh, you know, for a month to two months now, and all the parts seem to fit to the point where not only are they in the conference finals, but if, if they can steal one of these two games here in Denver, all of a sudden you're trying to figure out how did this team go from 13th place to be in position to potentially play for the Larry O in a couple of weeks. Can't wait to hear the call. 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. It's Denver and the Lakers. Kim Mark Kestershire, PJ Carlissimo on the call for us right here on ESPN Radio. As we turn you loose, the only time I ever get a phone call from Shannon Penn or a text message from our producer 
is before the college football national championship and then the NFL draft. How often does he reach out to you? You know, it's funny because I just joked with Shannon before we went on the air. I said, are you going to call me in the summer, like when the draft in Vegas Summer League's over? Because I'm going to miss these phone calls. And he actually gave me a very nice answer, but I think what he meant to say was, yeah, maybe next spring. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll need somebody to preview the Victor Wembenyama games in the Summer League. (laughs) That's right. I just booked Las Vegas today, so I'm looking forward to that. We got the draft lottery. Kevin Winter's going to take us through that tonight. On ESPN Radio, so it uh, should be a big night, big doings between Denver and Bristol. Give them hell, Casty. Yeah, Casty, we appreciate the time. Have a good call tonight. Talk to you guys. Mark Kastetcher, ESPN Radio, play-by-play announcer, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. And you can tune in for that game one tonight of the NBA Western Conference Finals. Nuggets hosting the Lakers. It's presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, do we believe the reason that Aaron Judge gave us that he was peering into his own dugout before hitting a massive dinger last night. We'll discuss coming up next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Deep drive, center field. There it goes. See ya. A monster shot. Oh, the batter's eye. A solo home run for Judge. And the Yankees lead 7-0. Massive. Might be an understatement. That was a 462-foot home run, courtesy of the Yes Network. And Michael Kay is the Yankees uh, defeated the Blue Jays 7-4 yesterday. But that's not what everybody is talking about. What everybody is talking about is Aaron Judge looking into the dugout. It's Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Gabe Nigel, Ian Fitzsimmons filling in for the guys and... Looking into the dugout right before he hit the 462-foot home run was Aaron Judge Fitz, and it had a lot of people kind of questioning what exactly was going on because you don't see very often a dude standing in the batter's box giving the side-eye to his own dugout. Uh, Toronto's broadcasters (laughs) noticed this, kind of speculated during the broadcast as well, and here's what Aaron Judge had to say about why he was looking in the dugout. A lot of chirping from our our dugout, which I really didn't like in the situation where it's a six nothing game and I know Booney got tossed. Like I was trying to save Booney by calling timeout. Like, hey, hold up here. Like, let me let me work here. I said a couple things to some guys in the dugout, and especially after the game. But um, you know, hopefully it won't happen again. You buy that? So uh, moments before, a handful of pitches before, Aaron uh, Aaron Boone was tossed from the game because he was arguing balls and strikes with the home plate umpire. And apparently Judge was saying there some teammates were still chirping at the home plate umpire, which is why he gave the look into the dugout. And, yeah, then you had Toronto saying, accusing him of, you know, uh, not Toronto the team, but the, the broadcasters, to yep. be clear. Yes, as you mentioned, uh, you know, we're looking at him going, was he stealing signs? That look that Aaron Judge gave to his own dugout, to me, was the captain of the Yankees yep. looking at his teammates and going, would you people shut up? Because this dude right now is not going to give me a 50-50 call. Because Correct. Booney just got launched you know, three pitches earlier. This guy is not in a really good mood. He just called a low strike, which was clearly a ball. Shut the hell up and let me hit. That's what I saw. Because that look he gave was the one like – 
You know when you tell your wife uh, back in your hard-charging days, or maybe you were just dating, no, 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 I'm just going to go meet the guys for one or two at happy hour. And then midnight rolls around? Yeah, that's the look you get when you walk in the house, right? Like, it was a hell of a happy hour. She doesn't hour. even need to say anything. Nope. She, you just get that look like, okay, I know, I know. Like, like you give to your dog, right? When your dog steals an extra treat or chews up a sock, and you're like, fuck. And he gives you that look like, he knows. Like, all you got to do is look at him. And he's like, damn, busted. <laughs> that was the look he gave the Yankees dugout. It, I did not was... take that as stealing signs at all. I think he was trying to get his guys to shut up so he could hit. It was not a look of, okay, I'm trying to get information. Yes, it was 100% a look of agitation looking yeah. back to his dugout. This makes sense to me. And on top of that, MLB, and understandably so, everything that happened with the Houston Astros and, and everything that surrounded that, and now with the pace of play and all of those different things, they've gone to pitch com. You know, they, they've, they're not, you know, the catcher's not sitting down there. Like Jake Taylor in, in Major League going, oh, I, I wonder how the kid feels about the old number one, you know, and, and putting down, you know, one finger. That's not happening in baseball anymore. Everybody's using pitchcom. They're using the, you know, the, those signals to communicate. And unless the Yankees somehow found out a way to hack into that system, I don't know how they would be able to steal signs to be able to relay information yeah. to Aaron Judge on what the, you know, on what pitch was coming his way. This, this is from a, a broadcast crew where their squad is two games up in the loss column on a Yankees team. It's all of a sudden gone from, you know, two weeks ago, what's wrong with the Yankees? Bust them up, fire Brian Cashman, fire everybody, too. They won seven out of our last ten. They're out of the basement. You know, they're 24-19, and 19, two games behind Toronto, and Judge went yard again. That, that's what that felt like to me. It was, just, it was sour grapes. And I don't think Judge was trying to steal signs. To your point, it's so much harder now in this day and age with the technology being used. But that 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 looked like again a dude who was hacked off, tired of hearing the chirping, and 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 he's the one in the box, not them. He's not going to get that fifty fifty call. Shut up and let me hit. Look, and I get it with Toronto, right? Like, okay, he looked in the dugout, and then he hits a four hundred. When you hit something four hundred and sixty two feet, which That's is a feeling like I think. would love to experience I'm, at I'm some point. Gabe, I'm assuming you don't even feel it, man. It's just no. it's like it's like a pure golf swing. When you know when you have that that one out of one hundred tee shots where you just hit it right on the screws, mm-hmm. and at the age of fifty, you're like, that might have gotten two eighty. And you, when you walk up there, it was only two fifty five, but it felt really oh, good because you you're didn't telling feel everybody it. was two eighty five. Oh hell yeah, because you didn't even feel it, and it was right down the middle. That's what a home run like that must feel like because you didn't feel a damn thing. Yeah, but when you hit it when it's 462, that's hitting it like you knew it was coming. So I understand, you know, the sour grapes in the situation, but this seems like, and now that he's had the opportunity to talk and kind of explain it and, and you see the video, it all makes sense. Like, I don't think there's anything nefarious going on with the New York Yankees oh. here. I know they've been accused of it in the past, but also because of the pitch clock, because of the pitch clock and nobody's on base. You only have 15 seconds to get the sign and throw the pitch. I don't know how in that 15 seconds you're also stealing the sign and relaying information on top of everything else that's going on with pitch cup. See, what you just said makes complete sense, and it is totally logical. Therefore, a lot of people are not going to believe it because in this day and age, it it was logical. I'm with you. We're in agreement on this one. It's more fun when we disagree, but that to me was him just keeping a dugout in order. Look, I hey, I would love 
for some sort of controversy to be stirred up in baseball right now. It would be fun if this, it would be a lot more fun if Aaron Judge, like, I mean, who wouldn't love a Yankees, unless you're a Yankees fan, some sort of Yankees sign-stealing controversy going on, and we could all boo the Yankees the way we love to boo the Yankees, the way the Houston Astros got booed. That'd be fantastic. That's just not what's happening here. No. I, I, w- I would openly welcome in some sort of controversy. This seems like a, a pretty big nothing burger coming out of the New York Yankees to me just because, again, they went 7-4, to four, Judge my, peeks into his own dugout. Gabe, my bigger question is the, ba- the, the clubhouse music. That's more questionable than anything else. <laughs> I hope there was a follow-up question about that. Like, hey, who's, what, what's going on here? Although, <laughs> when you've won as many in a row as the Yankees have, you've got to keep those good vibes. Whatever the vibes are, you've got to keep the vibes that way. What would 11th trip to the finals of the fifth ring mean for LeBron? We discuss next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.